The Wings Over New Zealand show is brought to you in association with the Wings Over New Zealand Aviation Forum, New Zealand's number one aviation discussion forum online. There you'll find discussion on all aspects of New Zealand aviation, from history to current affairs and thousands of photos covering the Royal New Zealand Air Force, airlines, general aviation, warbird restorations, air show news, sport aviation, home building, gliding, aviation media and much, much more. You'll be in good company with other aviation enthusiasts, including pilots, engineers, warbird owners and restorers, historians and authors, modelers, aviation photographers and many others. Sign up to the Wings Over New Zealand community now. It's free and easy. Just Google Wings Over New Zealand and you'll find the forum. Hi, it's Matt Jolly from WarbirdRadio.com. Listen, I am thrilled to have Dave Homewood as part of our broadcast family and bring your stories, the stories of the RNZAF, heard right here on Wings Over New Zealand to our global audience. Thanks for listening and hope to hear from you sometime at WarbirdRadio.com. G'day, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran. And we're from Plain Crazy Down Under, Australia's aviation show. And you can find us at plainecrazydownunder.com. We reckon for the best coverage of the Kiwi warbird restoration and aviation scene, you can't go past Dave Homewood and the Wings Over New Zealand show. On you, Dave. Yeah, good on you, mate. Yeah, we've got to get to New Zealand soon. Where is that anyway? Well, it's where I grew up. I thought that was Brisbane. This is Extended, the ETOPS Aviation Podcast. Here's Peter Johnson. We're in front of the Merlin. Can you tell us a little bit about the aircraft? What aircraft did you fly before? Uh, Suhoi 22. Right, okay. That's quite an interesting aircraft. Mm-hmm. What was that like to fly? Faster. Yeah. <laughs> Gareth Stringer. Make no bones about it. This is still a very capable aircraft. The cockpit's very cramped, you've got leg restraints on, you're sat on a seat that's got explosives in it. Tim Robinson. Uh, also the A400M, got to go inside and uh, have a poke around with. Just uh, taking me on the trip of a lifetime in a F-18F Super Hornet. Aviation-extended.co.uk And remember, there's no E at the beginning of Extended. Extend it. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show. I'm your host, Dave Homewood. And I'm your host for the Wings Over Australia segment, James Kitely. And we're here in Sydney at the moment, and uh, we're with uh, Juanita Franzi. Hi, hi, Juanita. Hi, welcome. And you're um, an aviation artist who does a lot of uh, publication art for books. Indeed, for books and magazines, yes. A lot of profile work. Can you tell us how you got into that? Or, and, and into um, aviation as well? I've always had a love of aviation, so it goes right back to my childhood. In fact, I don't remember a time when I wasn't fascinated by aeroplanes, particularly how they go together, how they work. But um, I found that uh, I, I drifted into the profile drawings rather than cutaways, but it took many years before I got there. It started off with model making. Oh, right, okay. 
So uh, tell me, tell me, you know, about what sort of models you were making when you were a kid. Well, the first model I remember was a duck egg blue Spitfire Airfix kit. One of those, I think they were seventy-five p or something. I'm probably about twenty-five cents or something in those days, if we had cents. And uh, and I used to put that together with sticky tape because my parents wouldn't give me the glue. <laughs> I was too young. So I would have been five, probably. That's, that's the infamous uh, Airfix Mark IX Spitfire with the single plank wings on the side. A lot of people remember it. They've done better kits since, but it started a lot of careers. Model spotting. Model Absolutely, spotting yes, yes. I just love the fact that you remembered it was duck egg blue, and that's, that, that's very telling, isn't it, for someone yes, who's right. an artist? Not any other blue. Was, yeah, yeah. So you, did, you weren't allowed glue, but you were allowed colour chips. Well, it was such a weird colour. I mean, yeah. who would you? use a colour like that. So as a kid it was like, wow, what a wacky colour. So yes, I remember it very clearly. <laughs> and, and what about the art side of things? How, how did you, um, you know, where, where did you learn to, to draw and to, and to paint? Well, I thought I really should have a proper career. So I went and did industrial design. And with it, industrial design is a great type of industry because you really learn a broad base of skills from professional model making, drawing, rendering, technical, illustration. Technical drawing, that kind of thing. Technical drawing, the whole thing, yeah. It's very, very good, broad-based, problem-solving. It's terrific. Would right. that have been with computers, or would you have been doing sort of pen and ink stuff? Because I, I, I only asked because I thought about doing it when I was much younger a long time ago and um, would have learned all in pen, pen and ink, and then it would all mean computers about three years later and I'd have been, you know, hopeless, outclass. So what about did you start? Well, it's probably giving a lot away, but no, the computers were were way into the future at right. that stage. Yeah. So it was uh, different types of papers, cancel yeah. papers and markers right. and uh, inks and uh, drafting film and all, all that those world. Great smelly things. Um, did you feel that was a good foundation for the way you work today? I mean, you look at artists today and they're always working straight into computers, but to actually having to do stuff with, um, you know, marker pens, for instance, where you can't undo, <laughs> there's no undo key, um, that gives you a very different discipline, I think, doesn't it? It does. I wasn't particularly good at it. <laughs> <laughs> we like to think of you being very, very good overall, yeah. Yeah, technical drawing, I was good at that. Right. My father was an engineer, so I got to, even from a, quite a young age, I got to practice on his drawing board because, you know, to in, enlarge drawings, for example, you had to do it by hand, and yep. it was a great experience. Very good skill building, too, that kind of stuff. Um, Very good. And you mentioned just a moment ago about not doing cutaways so much as and now I mean predominantly you do profiles and um, I think I've talked to a number of profile artists and you generally come up as one of the top of the heap I won't embarrass you any further than that but very very highly regarded both by the people in the field and and editors like me Um, so uh, you you kind of went into the profiles rather than that was what you started doing or how did that work? Yeah that's correct I I was really interested in that you know that always had an inquisitive mind so I was really interested in how do they go together how right. do they put together it's probably the engineering influence and also the industrial design influence yep. as well yep. coming into it so it was it was what how did they get there why are they like that how do they build them but uh, it was really the profile drawings were the ones my first few uh, book projects that I worked on it was my profiles that they were interested in right. so and and it was very much moving from uh, my first attempts with paper and yep. and paints and ink through to computers and it was obviously the way to go as well because yep. 
uh, all the publishing and uh, book layouts and so forth were all going digital. And so why have a second stage where you have yeah. to digitise the artwork? Yeah, 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 yeah. So what sort of program or programs do you use to make your um, profiles? My favourite for the line work was a program called Freehand, a Macromedia Freehand, but unfortunately that got bought out and then killed by Adobe. <laughs> so, <laughs> alas, it's, it's Illustrator these days. But Corel Draws is pretty good too. And, um, and Photoshop, have to love Photoshop. Yeah. It is a superb piece of software and so has been is. for a very long time. Yeah, in fact, you're right. A long time. I'm still using the 1998 version. I've got more modern versions, and I just I can't find all the buttons. So I always go back to my 1998 version. <laughs> and appreciate that. Yeah, it's still as good now as it always was. So. It's a good point because it's about the tool. And one of the I was talking to an Air Force photographer the other uh, other day um, about the Boxcote project, and she said the question she hates most of all is people come and say, "Oh, you've got a really good camera." Which camera is it and how does it take the pictures when she said, Well, I taught it everything it knows, you know. Um, and it's a real problem that people think, whether it's, you know, artwork or whatever, that it's the technology that makes it. But it's not, that's just a tool. And you have to bring your skill and a lot of experience to, to bear. Um, so you've been doing profiles for a little while now and you've done a lot of. Have you got any numbers you can give us in terms of quantities of books or magazine illustrations or anything? Uh, it would be, last time I counted, it was over 50. So, and that was a few years ago. So, yeah, yeah it would be. Quite, we'd be well over 50 books now, yeah. um, and I would be, I'm guessing here, but probably almost 2,000 profile illustrations. Wow. So you're well. into cataloguing problems rather than anything else, <laughs> finding what you've already drawn. Um, and do you go back and look at your earlier profiles and think, oh, I could do better than that now, or do you, are you oh, happy? Definitely. <laughs> definitely. They, yeah. were a, they were a bit rusty back then. And also, it wasn't, it wasn't only my skills. I mean, yeah. obviously, my skills have really improved over many years. It was also the software. In those days, too, they had to be vector-based yeah. images yeah. Um, because they had to fit on a floppy disk. So oh. I had to send, and you had to burn two copies of the floppy disk because they always had errors in them. And so to mail them off to the publisher, I would need like a little stack about six inches high of floppy disks. And I could fit maybe three drawings on one floppy disk. So it just gives some idea of how your economy of file size was critical in those days. Whereas now, you know, it can compress it and yeah. send it by email. Yeah, a little Dropbox if it's a big one, yeah. So yeah. You, you tell kids today about floppy disks and they don't believe you, do they? But <laughs> it, it was actually a big challenge and the same with the magazines. I was working for Warbirds Worldwide in the 90s and, you know, saving stuff was a, was a big challenge. Backing it up was a big challenge and um, it is still in a way but nothing, nothing like it was. And another key point is information. I mean, one of the things that you often get um, praised for, I'm going to make, embarrass you a bit in this interview, but one of the things you get praised for is that you, the quality of the information you start with for your profiles. You know, you, you go and find out the right information about that particular aircraft type um, and uh, go a bit further than some other people do. Um, and that's great, but it's a big ask. And nowadays it's easy to gather the information with contacts and um, the internet and so on, but it's always hard and there's always more information coming to light, isn't there? Um, is there any particular aircraft type you'd want to pick out and talk about with that? Oh, heavens. Well, there's lots. I mean, because there are there are those that um, where there is a lot of information, so it'd be really wonderful to do mm. a really detailed, right down to the nuts and bolts thing. I mean, Lancaster, for example. Yeah. There are some engineering drawings around. It'd be brilliant for that. 
Um, then you get others where the mere fact they haven't really been covered very well, it would be brilliant to get into those. Yeah. I've just finished doing some on the North Rock Delta. Oh, yes. Yeah. And uh, that was that was wonderful stuff. Because there was still a fair bit of guesswork. There's no yeah. uh, station diagrams available. Okay. But all the same, was able to piece a surprising amount together. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's wonderful to capture something, an aircraft like that. And what is the process that you go to mm. when someone says... Can you come up with profiles of this aircraft? What, where do you start where, and what do you do? You're allowed to refuse to answer any trade secret <laughs> on this, though. Shush, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look, I'm a bit of a fanatic and I, and I, and a, I like to get it right, as yeah. right as I possibly can. So the very first thing I do is, is try and get that base drawing right. If you've got the base drawing right... The markings will fit on. You yeah. know, it's simple things like okay, that. Okay, good it's point. It's easier to bring it to life yeah. if it's actually right to start with. You're not fudging as yeah. much. You can get it still... Some artists get away with a lot with fudging and, yeah. you know, that good on them. That's a yeah. skill of the artist is to trick the eye. Yes. But, um, but my engineering background gets me to really want to make sure that's right. And um, so for that, it's aircraft manuals... Uh, I like to go back to source material, station diagrams. If you can get engineering drawings, that's brilliant. Although even with complex aircraft, of course, Mm -hmm. that starts to itself get completely out of control. There's always a balance between things. Um, And then there's researching the actual markings, how it was used, also how it weathered. Yeah, yeah, and so on and so forth. So it's 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 getting the base drawings down first, and that's where the time really goes in. Yeah, and the uh, the rendering it up, the putting the sparkles on it. Yeah, there's a bit of work in that, but nowhere near like the work there is in doing the base research and uh, base drawing. Another big area in that is um, color interpretation, because generally with most historic aircraft, you're looking at a black and white photograph or uh, accounts or whatever, and then you're working out whether it's blue or green or red. I mean, that sounds silly, but with with individual aircraft markings it's hard to it's good when it's got a national marking which gives you a key (laughs) you know you know that's red therefore that must be red elsewhere but there's a lot of hard work in that do you have any tricks with that or is it just hard work it's just hard work yes i mean there's a lancaster i'm looking at at the moment and in some light the markings look like there's just maybe three colors in it and in other lights, it's very apparent that actually, no, the two of the colours are actually different. And right. I know it could be anything. It could be mm. uh, anything from gold and yellow through to shades of blue, yeah. dark blue yeah. to light blue. So you, it's it's very, very difficult. You could, Like you say, you can use the national markings as a bit of a guide. And particularly for World War One, anybody scares. Right, yeah, yeah. Do, do you have a real liking for a nose art? Uh, look, um, yeah, I do. There's some really, particularly World War Two uh, nose art, and it's quite fun because early in the war, particularly, we'll talk about the American nose yeah. art, for example, here, and they did like to put women on the side of planes, and but you see the difference between what they were doing at the beginning of the war and what they were doing at the end of the war, or certainly by the Korean War, and they had a lot more understanding of women's bodies by then. So the <laughs> earlier ones are pretty rough. <laughs> it's a very interesting point, that, because really the kind of the Vargas uh, cutaway came into... Uh, cut- <laughs> that would be very bad, wouldn't it? Uh, the, the Vargas um, artwork, which was effectively by mid-war being copied straight onto aircraft by some quite talented artists in the sense of getting those details right. And the early stuff, as you say, some of it was very crude and sometimes in both senses um, crude. So there's that kind of thing. And then... Um, 
Uh, one other thing I wanted to ask about is the shapes of aircraft you touched on. There's a couple of aircraft which you think the fuselage is a sort of oval or a square, but actually it's much more complicated than that. I'm thinking of uh, the, the Beaufort, for instance, which has a sort of very strange triangular shape for the rear fuselage, or the Junkers 88, which you'd assume is a standard shape, is actually a kind of a, 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 a tapered oval in section. Um, those things catch out us out all the time, but not you, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> How do you handle those sort of questions? Is it not the research again, back to the research? Yes, it is the research. And by the time you've done a really decent set of drawings, you're starting to really know that aircraft. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, things like the uh, the way those doors bulge on the Beaufort too, yeah. the Bombay doors bulge, yeah. is, it took me a while before I spotted that and got to work out what was happening. Yeah. But, yeah, it is quite quite tricky with some aircraft as you say you think oh that's a simple one and you start to really investigate it and it's not no fascinating stuff have you got any favorites um, of your art that you've done and you just absolutely still love it and go back and look at it well i'm pretty happy with the uh, northrop delta drawings i do like those um yeah i think it's I'm, i'm always striving to do better and i always see there being room for improvement um so the most recent one I tend to think is the best so far. (laughs) 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 And also um, you do that in-depth research into the colours and and the markings and all that, and I wonder, does your research ever cross over into helping decal makers get it right? Do you ever um, work with decal makers for models? I have a a little in the past, um, and I've also um, been worked with a few model makers as well to help with that um, a little bit of involvement with the Mirage for example the Mirage kit that came out um, from uh, uh, high high plains models. high plains models that's right yep uh, so I've, and I've put, I did some some of the box art for him as well right. so yes I have it's a, it's an area that I really like and there was also a manufacturer of collectible uh, airliners so doing oh, the right. decal artwork yeah. Yeah. for that the interesting area we've, we've discovered, so we've, we've interviewed a lot of people and we've been lucky enough to interview uh, um, some very good photographers and, and a couple of very good editors and, and writers um, and also critically people involved with aircraft restoration and preservation. Um, do you find that you use real aircraft or artefacts much in your research or is that not an area that, uh, that works for you as a rule? I really like to actually have access to an aircraft if I can. I've attempted to measure them. It's a lot easier in theory than it is in practice. (laughs) Interesting you say that because I tried to measure a Sierra C30 and um, there's some very embarrassing photographs, both of me wearing shorts and having this measuring thing and it just doesn't work. It's a lot. It's a skill. You have to learn how to do it. And you need the right gear. I've seen a a chap in the UK who has these huge uh, calipers that he uses to to measure them and you know, weights and all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've had a few goes at uh, Meteor, and oh, yeah, yeah. Mm, it's a little private project of mine, and uh, I still haven't quite cracked that one. But I did for the Mirage drawings that I did for the um, Mushroom yeah, Models the, publication. Uh, Australian Australian Mirage Mark is obviously a book depending very heavily both on the guy's phenomenal collection of uh, photographs of Australian Mirages, but also your artwork, which has got some cracking schemes in there. Uh, really, really nice. But one thing you can get from a real thing is an idea of the, like you said about weathering, the patina and the actual how the rivets look and so on. It's very easy to go, oh, rivets, blah, 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 blah. But actually they vary a lot, don't they, in terms of how it looks. And sometimes on the same aircraft. You know, mm-hmm. classic is the BAE Hawk. Right. It's got um, mushroom heads on the back and it's got it's flush and smooth everywhere else. So, yeah, it's it, 
really good and also the sheen that the paint has mm. and the sheen on say um one of the american built harriers is right. it's got quite a different finish yeah probably i assume the materials it's built from than say uh, a waxed spitfire right right that's a very interesting point. And you, you mentioned there also about uh, an artist's role is to, to trick the eye in a way. And people often, particularly modellers and, and aviation theorists, to be very kind of hardline, this is right, that is wrong, and da da da. There is a lot of interpretation in it. And there is a lot of, um, you know, as a writer, I'm choosing to tell a story and I choose to put bits in and I choose to leave bits out. And as a profile artist or an artist of any kind, you, you're choosing which you start with and how you present it, to much more than people realise, I think. And also, you've got to fill the gaps. I mean, a lot of the time when you're looking at a scheme, you might have one photograph and there's you know, a wing in, part, in the way of part of the fuselage. Hard to tell what's there. So you have to use experience and knowledge to fill that in. So presumably a lot of that... What sort of tricks of the, the, of the trade there do you have that you're prepared to share with our listeners? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm always keen to say if I don't know. I would prefer to actually say in the caption that it's this is not completely clear or it's based on speculative on what other aircraft do. Um but the um the other aspect of it colour is a very interesting one because Mm -hmm. it does vary depending on how far away you are, how close you are and of course the lighting conditions. But the modellers have been onto this for a long time with the concept of scale colour. Yep. And that is a very good one. But um, it's, it's also almost a scale panel line effect as yes. well. So yep. if you've got an aircraft, you've got the drawing that's going to be reproduced quite small, you actually need to kind of boost the panel lines a little. But if you use the same weight of panel lines when you're doing, say, a, a print size, it looks really clunky. Yep. So yep. there are little tricks like yeah, that. well, that's fascinating. I never thought about. I mean, I'm aware of the scale thing. I never thought about the necessity of different scale effects, which is a trick of the. Yeah, fascinating. Do you um, do you do other engineering type stuff, cars or locomotives or anything like that, or do you just stick to airplanes? Uh, on request, <laughs> I will do other types. Um, I do uh, submarines for a, a German magazine, okay. and I have done tanks. And that was quite interesting because they're so different to yeah. aircraft. You there, yes. you've got very blocky shapes, so there's no finesse in the shape, yeah. but you've got so much detail, and that's what brings it alive. So it, it was a very interesting experience to draw those. And I have some non-aviation clients where, I, you know, for example, Casa, where I do flight safety illustrations, which is like a whole different field to yeah. profile artworks. There can't be that many people around the world who are doing. Um aircraft profiles like to your level uh, is there is it a very small field of art yes it is there are quite a number of people doing it and there are some who are like really quite superb both in europe uh and in the states and of course uh, there's some good ones in the uk as well so but yes it's a very niche field i think you all know each other don't you i think we do (laughs) (laughs) I've, I've come across a couple in New Zealand, and, and they do some nice stuff as well. And um, but you know, it's two, you know, two in New Zealand—that's all I've come across <laughs> in, in all these years. So I just thought, yeah, it must be a fairly small field. So you all know each other and all get on, sort of thing. And yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, I know Ronnie Barr, who does the work oh, for yeah, Wingnut yeah. Models, and I get to meet him at the air shows every so often in New Zealand, and uh, yeah, he's great. Um, and of course, there's um, uh, Graham down in Melbourne. Um, Grubby Fingers, 
who also does nice work. Uh, Graham Molyneux, I think, is his surname? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Just going back, I think we should give a little plug here to your most recent work that you mentioned uh, earlier, the the Northrops, because you posted a couple of things up on your um, Facebook page for your artwork, and that was because we've been touring, I haven't had a proper look at it, it's my excuse. But um, uh, what's the book? What's that for? It's um, the European Airliners is the publisher, and it's a Rob Rob Mulder book. Yep. And they're looking at the two aircraft that were operated by the Swedish Airlines. So there was a male version, so the, the go-fast version, and then there was a passenger version. And um, they, they only had two, and that's a lovely thing about these books. You can go into such detail. Right. And yeah. the, he actually has a lot of fantastic in-depth information about the aircraft type in general, but in particular how it was used by by these airlines. And, um, and one of those, the passenger one, was... Actually, you went to the Civil War, became part of the uh, Spanish Air Force. So it had a really long and colourful history. That's great, great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't really think of anything else. Oh, we could. um, Juanita and I could talk about some of this detail for. But well, we know you could talk about. Yes. Thanks, Dave. This is true. Um, but uh, I wouldn't want to ask some of those questions um, in public, as it were, because it's not fair. And, it, you know, you don't keep trade secrets as such, but you, you do build up your own knowledge and skill. And it's it's very much... I mean, you can tell artists work. I could show you a profile without any details, and you'd be able to say that so-and-so, wouldn't you? Reasonably, yes. 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 <laughs> well, that's fascinating. It's really good to have a very different aspect. And one of the things we've had with this whole trip is we've been looking at so many different aspects of aviation history and preservation with veterans, people interviewing veterans. As I said earlier, we've interviewed uh, uh, writers and, and um, pilots, pilots and engineers. And um, it's not, well, actually, I think the key thing is not just being pilots. And that, mm. that's been fantastic to, to be doing and really good to bring in. Well, the whole, my whole show has always been not just pilots anyway. Indeed, so, yeah. indeed. Um, so, yeah, terrific. Thank you very much for your time on that, Rita. Now, yeah. now, if any of our listeners out there want to see some of your work, where, where's the best place to find Absolutely. it online or anywhere? I'd say Facebook. There's a good collection of my work uh, on my Facebook page, and that's Juanita Franzi Aero Illustrations. And awesome. that's a very good one. And otherwise, my website. And But if they do a search on Juanita Franzi yeah. or Aero Illustrations, there'll be plenty to look at. And we'll put the links up there too on the page when this finally goes online. Marvellous. Yes. Thank you very much. Great. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> that was the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. <laughs> Thank you.